I'm E.G. Marshall. I'm sure you will agree that almost every religion holds that the soul is immortal and recognizes a life after death. However, we're going to be telling you about people who believe in reincarnation, and uh, they have a somewhat different approach to immortality. Those who believe in reincarnation are convinced that your soul lives on in another person's body in a later life. Some men and women even claim they remember bits and pieces of their former lives. I see... I see a gallows. It's a hanging. I can hear the creak of the gibbet and and the rattle of chains. I hear them plainly. There are people watching. People dressed strangely. Dressed in clothing of a different century. Some of them are eating and drinking. They're enjoying watching a man hang. A man like me. Me. David Matson, who lives today. I see them. And they're hanging. And I know I was there. I was, was there. mystery drama, Terror on the Heath, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Murray Burnett and stars Shepard Strudwick. The KCBS Mystery Theater, the theater of the mind. There's always news and more on 74 KCBS. Are you a browser? I mean a browser in a bookstore? If you are, you'll readily acknowledge that bookstores are sectioned off with books in various classifications. One of the largest sections has become the how-to books. On those shelves, the reader can find a book that will tell him how to do almost anything, from painting or sewing to making a harpsichord. Everything that is except a book telling a man how to explain to his wife that he's leaving her. David, darling, I didn't know this was serious. Very serious. But whatever it is, we'll weather it. We've had quite a few ups and downs in ten years of marriage. We'll handle it together. That's just it. This is... This is something that you'll have to handle alone. I don't understand. Look, Jan, I, I, I don't know any other way of saying this. I'm going to leave you. You mean that, don't you? Yes, I'm sorry. All right, David. Why? I can't tell you. You can't tell me. David, look at me. I'm the woman you loved. At least I think you loved me for ten years. You're not going to... I still love you, Jan, I swear. Then why are you leaving? Because... Because I have to. Have to? You won't have a thing to worry about. I'll take care of you and the children just as if I were living here. I just don't believe this whole scene. It's like something out of Alice in Wonderland. Or Edgar Allan Poe. What? I think 2500 a month should cover everything. But if you need what more... What do you mean about Edgar Allan Poe? Nothing. 
Is 2,500 going to be... You're using words as a smokescreen to hide the truth. We've never done that. I guess there's no way a man can ever tell a woman he's leaving. All I want is the reason why you're leaving. That's just what I can't tell you. What are you going to tell the children? Isn't that your job? You're the one who's leaving. Oh, David, this isn't like you. What's happened? I wish it was something simple and and less cruel, like being able to say... Jen, I've fallen in love and I want a divorce, but it isn't like that at all. Then what is it like? A horror story. No, no, no secretary's going to tell me that Dave Matson's not into me. He'll see me and he's going to... It's all right, Miss Manners. I'll see Mr. Anderson. Come in, Lon. Well, thanks. Now, what's this business about your leaving Jan all about? I suppose this couldn't be avoided. Why would you want to avoid me, your best friend? What is all this stuff about horror stories and Edgar Allan Poe? Oh, it's just a figure of speech. Oh, sure. Just enough to make you walk away from what I know was a good marriage. Thanks, Lon. And you're going to tell me why you're doing it. But only... Only if you give me your solemn promise that you won't tell Jan or Cecily. But that's exactly... I know. I know. That's exactly why you came. To find out and try to help. To tell Jan. But that's the one thing you can't do. Okay. You have my word. I'd like you to look at these photostatic copies of English newspapers of the 1850s. Are you kidding? Read them. (sighs) Hampstead Heath... Terror strikes again. Vicious killer claims eighth victim. Nine-year-old girl stabbed to death. Look, David, I don't see what these... Go on. Well, but these are just more of the same. Police baffled by Heath Knifings, Inspector Gregory of Scotland Yard, Brand Slasher, a sadist. Hmm. That's enough to give you the general idea. Yes, it's also enough to confuse me thoroughly. What the devil? The devil, that's a good word. Ever hear of reincarnation, Lon? Oh, no. Now, wait a minute. You're not going to try to make me believe that you... ...are the 20th century reincarnation of this madman. And that should make it obvious why I must leave Jan and cannot tell her why. And you believe this on the basis of these newspaper clippings? Not quite, Lon. There's more, much more. It was incredible to me at first. When was first? About six months ago. Hmm. I read a book by Robert Ripple, a book that was a factual account of the lives of three notorious criminals of the 19th century. I was impressed by the writing and by the author, an assistant curator of the 19th century wing of the Museum of English History. There was one criminal in particular that fascinated me. I somehow felt I knew him. This Hampstead Heath Knifer? Right. And that was when I had the first dream. Dream? Yes. I had a few drinks with Bob Ripple before coming home, and we talked about some changes. And I dreamed I saw Hampstead Heath quite clearly. It's really a forest, you know. And then along a walk outside the forest, I saw a woman's figure. I ran after her, and she turned to face me with her hands outstretched. Not to welcome me, Lord, to ward me off. And when I saw a face, it was streaming blood. Blood from knife slashes. And then... And then then I woke up. All right, all right. So you had a nightmare. That doesn't prove... That was only the first. 
They began to come more and more frequently and in greater and more monstrous detail with women and young girls and and blood and... I don't want to open it up. Well, all right, all right. I'll grant you it's pretty rough, David, but still... Okay, come on around behind my desk. What do you see in the drawer? Uh, a knife. Not just any knife, Lon. That's a switchblade with a spring. Lethal and illegal. Okay, when did you get it and why? I don't remember buying it and I have no idea of how it got there. But I distinctly remember the first time I saw it there. It was the day after I had my face slapped by a girl I'd never seen in my life and been called a murderer. What? I was coming back from a lunch with Bob Ripple, the author of the book that opened the floodgates. A rather attractive girl in her early 20s approached us. I don't know exactly how it happened. But suddenly we found ourselves face to face and started to indulge in that ridiculous waltz of both stepping the same way to get out of each other's way. Oh, I know, I know. Suddenly she looked full at me and hissed, Murderer! And fainted right there on the sidewalk. Well, she... she was sick. That was what Bob Ripple kept telling me as he hustled me away. But why... why would she call me a murderer? Well, I don't know. She's the one with problems. There's nothing wrong with you. Lon, do you think it's possible that maybe this girl was... was the reincarnation of one of this killer's victims and she recognized me as this killer? Oh, no, I don't think it's possible, but obviously you do. It was the next day that I saw the knife in my desk. Look, Dave, look. You're in a state. I... How would you like to see a face, Lon? My face. My face on the picture of a 19th century killer. What? Come with me and I'll show it to you. Lon? This is Robert Ripple, assistant curator of the 19th century wing of this museum. Ah, nice meeting you. Pleasure. Bob, on our way to the room with the photographic exhibits, would you fill on in? Glad to. This particular exhibit started because of my interest in the three notorious criminals of the era. Naturally, I collected all the newspaper clippings, stories, drawings, and photographs I could find and placed them in the room along with other items that I drew main to the collection. Now here... I exhibited the daguerreotypes of some of the fabulous characters of the period, along with the criminals. And here, Lon, take a look at this daguerreotype and tell me what you think. Uh, let me see. Well, good-looking guy, nice face. And if you want me to say he looks like you, I'll say it. There's a great resemblance, all right? Who is he? You tell him, Bob. That man is Charles Mason, otherwise known as the Terror of Hampstead Heath, the killer who was hanged at Tyburn. December 9th. 1841. I can remember. I can almost hear. David. Let him go back. Let him remember. You can hurt him if you try to bring him back now. I can hear the wind and the creak of the gibbet and the chains and the people, the people shading their eyes against the cold sun looking up to see what kind of monster was suspended in air, paying with his life for the slashed and bleeding bodies of the women he had mutilated. Good Lord, have you seen him like this before, Ripley? Only once. So what do we do? Nothing. If it follows the pattern of the other time, he'll come out of it soon. He's coming around. I'm... I'm sorry. I guess I made a fool of myself. 
You couldn't help it, Dave. Well, Lon, what do you think? Well, I, uh, uh, self-hypnosis. What? Self-hypnosis. You read Ripple's book. It impressed you. You you became involved in the several hours you were here. You saw that daguerreotype that resembles you. And now you've hypnotized yourself into believing that you're a reincarnation of a murderous madman. I don't blame you for not wanting to believe I'm the reincarnation of a killer like Charles Mason. Look, what just happened was frightening, but not necessarily any proof that you're right. Uh, Mr. Ripple, did you write about the hanging of Charles Mason? Oh, certainly. And there was nothing Dave said that he couldn't have gotten from reading your book, huh? Yes, that's right. Or some of the other books I showed him. There have been many graphic descriptions of the hangings at Tyburn. Ah, well, there you are, Dave. I wish you were right. Dave. Yes? I've thought of something that might just solve your friend's problem. All right, let's hear it. One of the most horrible of Mason's crimes was the murder of a young lady named Letty Legro in 1837. Her nude corpse was found on Hampstead Heath, horribly butchered. Her clothes were never recovered. Well, what are you trying to say? If... If Dave could remember what clothes Letty Legro was wearing when but she was... But how can we check out whether I'm telling the truth? I can give some kind of a description, but... You just said nobody ever... You'll have to trust me, Dave. I believe there might be a clue if you're willing to give it a try. Of course. Shall we go back to the gallery? No, you stay here. I'll go fetch the daguerreotype of Mason. It's hard to see because there's a storm brewing. I see the leaves blowing and the trees bending. A woman. Oh, please. I mustn't slip or fall. He's following me. I know he's following. Oh, dear God. Help, help me. Help me. I see something going. A dress. Yes. It's a, it's a dress. A long dress. The girl is holding it up. She, she, she's running. I have to catch he's it. He's gaining. He's closer. Oh, I can see the gleam of the knife. The dress. What color is the dress, David? Can you see? She's gone now. Gone. The color of the dress. Was it white? No. Not white. It was yellow. A yellow dress with a pale matching scarf and a lace handkerchief. The handkerchief is white, but the dress is yellow. There have been some fairly convincing arguments on the side of reincarnations. There are a number of reputable people who insist they can recall bits and portions of a life lived in another time. I know one young lady who vividly recalls a life as a waitress in Jamestown during colonial days. But I don't know of anyone who can recall being a murderer. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. Now back to Mystery Theater on News 74, KCBS. Most people go to museums to view the works of art. David Matson took his best friend, Lon Henderson, to a museum to prove to Henderson that he, Matson, was really the reincarnation of a monstrous killer of the 19th century 
named Charles Mason. He showed Lon a daguerreotype of Mason, and Lon was impressed by the resemblance, but he demanded more positive proof. Bob, you said there might be some clue. You could learn something if I identified some clothes that a girl was wearing. I did. Did you find the clue? I'm afraid we did, Dave. Afraid? That means you believe that Dave is the reincarnation of Charles Mason? I told you the clothes that Letty LeGros wore when she was slashed to death have never been found. What I didn't tell you was that some six or seven years after her murder, a fine piece of white cambric that had obviously been a lady's handkerchief was found on the heath together with some yellow material. Some historians were convinced that the handkerchief had been Letty LeGros and that the yellow material was part of a dress she'd been wearing. But no one could prove it. Until now. Until now. Until you just described a yellow dress and a white handkerchief. Hello? Mr. Robert Ripple. Speaking. This is Mrs. David Matson. You don't know me, but... Uh, The wife of the publisher... What about? My husband. And the reason he left me. My dear Mrs. Matson, I find this conversation most strange. You, perfect stranger, calling me to discuss your marital problems? Why in the world would you believe that I would I be... I was a... told to call you. By whom? Lon Henderson. Well, I can't understand why Mr. Henderson referred you to me. Well, because he's our best friend. And I badgered him into distraction. He finally gave me your name as the one... He also has the information I have. That's all I want. Tell Mr. Henderson I find his putting you on to me cowardly. Oh, Mr. Ripple, please. I I have no intention, Mrs. Matson, of seeing you or discussing your husband and his actions at any time, now or in the future. I must... Thank you, Mr. Ripple, for your courtesy and showing me so much of your part of the museum. Well, not at all, Mrs. Larson. When the curator called and told me you were interested in becoming a patron of the museum, it was only natural we should try to show you the sort of things in which we spend your money. Well, and you've impressed me very much so. <laughs> if you don't think me impertinent, Mrs. Larson, how much so? Did you have any specific sum for a contribution in mind? Mm. Not precisely. I I really need more information. Now, I must return to Boston later today. So, well, I just want to thank you for making time for me in your busy schedule. Pleasure. Oh, really, this picture... Ah, daguerreotype, Mrs. Larson. Well, whatever. Now, well, this man, he looks so familiar. Who is he? A notorious killer. A man named Charles Mason who was hanged in 1841. Now, if we could uh, move on. Just a moment, I... Now, this may seem a somewhat strange request, but I would like this daguerreotype. I beg your pardon. I'd like to purchase a... Or let me say, I would make a substantial bequest to the museum if I could have this picture. And why would you want that particular picture, Mrs. Larson? I take it no other will do? Well, surely I don't have to explain oh, if I just... Oh, you do. Wa- God! God! What are you doing? What... Calling a guard to escort you out of the building, Mrs. Matson. Why are you... And I'd advise you not to make a fuss. 
Because if you so much as utter another syllable, I'll call the police and have you arrested for impersonating a donor when you had no such intention. Now get out of here. I could help you, Mrs. Madsen, but as I told you before, Mr. Henderson has been on the golf course all afternoon. But I told you to get a message to him that it was a matter of life and death. Well, we have tried, Mrs. Madsen. I don't know why he hasn't called or even if he received Oh, right. Now, listen. Tell him I'm coming out to see him, and he should wait there for me no matter what happens. David, I've got to find Lon. He's trying to avoid me. It's too dark now for him to be out on the golf course. Oh, ouch. Well, there's gravel. should have remembered to change my shoes. I think I'll walk on the grass. Who's that? Is there anyone there? I know you're behind that bush. And I'm not in the mood to play any stupid games. Go on, Lee. I... A knife! Oh, stop! Stop! Oh, Jan. Jan, do you realize that guy could have killed you? I don't know. I don't know why he came at me. But I'm very glad you got there when you did. Well, I didn't. I missed catching him. Didn't you see his face? No, no. He came up from behind me. He, he circled around the bushes. Oh, I see. Do you think you should stay in this house alone? Well, why not? It's my own home. But, Jen, you're not completely recovered. I appreciate your concern. They'd never have let me out of the emergency room at the hospital if they didn't think I was okay. The arm is bandaged. It doesn't bother me at all, but you do. <laughs> me? Why did you send me to Ripple? Oh. Jan, how much do you know about reincarnation? You mean the belief that your soul lives on in someone else's body after you die? Yes, yes. Well, what's all that got to do? No, wait. David's involvement with Ripple's book has somehow convinced him that the soul of this 19th century killer, Charles Mason, was in his body. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yes. That's what I thought, too. Thought? Then you believe Jen, now that... please. After reading Ripple's book, Dave told me he felt strangely familiar with all the events that related to Charles Mason. He said he felt as if he'd almost lived them. He went to the museum to talk with Ripple about this strange phenomenon, and then he saw the picture. And? Well, you saw it. Can you deny that... You allowed a resemblance to convince you that David was the reincarnation of a 19th century criminal? I refuse to believe it. There's more, Jan. Nothing that you can say will convince me. Reincarnation of... Listen, people have been arguing about whether there really is such a thing as a soul for centuries. Now listen to me. David looked at that picture and went into some sort of a trance. He recalled actual scenes and incidents from more than 100 years ago. David is a bright man with a vast store of knowledge. His subconscious must retain his readings from hundreds of books and manuscripts. And then because of some quirk and his vivid imagination, he's able to recall it. I know, I know. I felt the way you did and I brought up the subject of self-hypnosis. It was then 
that David described the clothing of one of Mason's victims. And that's one thing he couldn't have read or heard anywhere. Then you must believe that David was right to leave me. Well, he loves you. What else could he have done? Trusted that love. Trusted our years together. Trusted the strength that's made our marriage work and... And told me the truth and tried to work it out together. Well, how do you go about working something like this out? If David really is a... I'm not going to consider that possibility. You have to. Why? Because of that bandage you're wearing on your arm. Bandage? What's that? Somebody went after you with a knife. I know, but... And why would anyone want to slash you? I don't know. We live in a violent world. No, 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 Jan. No, this happened at the club. This was no ordinary mugging. What are you trying to say? Oh. I'm... Look, are you sure there wasn't anything familiar about the man who attacked you? Something that might remind you You of a... You are trying to make me think it was David, aren't you? You are trying to make me say it was David. You think it was David, don't you? Jan, look, please, we have to... Get out of my house! Well, please, be reasonable and... I said get out, Lon, and I meant it. Oh, Lon. Oh, I'm so glad you came. Now, I apologize for my behavior the other night. There was no excuse. No, 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 no. I I forgive you, Jan. I understand. But what do you want from me now? To go with me to see Jason Beckwith and tell him everything you know about this strange delusion of David's. Jason Beckwith? He's a professor of Romance Languages at the university. And he's also a highly regarded student of the occult. I shouldn't say student. He's he's an acknowledged authority. Jan, have you seen today's paper? No. Then you haven't read the story about the woman who was killed in the park last night? Lon, I promised I wouldn't lose my temper, no matter how many ridiculous now things Now, hold it. Said. It's not ridiculous. A woman was slashed to death in Hudson Park early this morning by a man with a knife. Now, that's a newspaper story. I suppose that you don't have a sneaking suspicion that that man with a knife might have been David. You bet I have. David is not a killer. All right, all right. Why don't you call him and ask him where he was last night? He couldn't kill anyone. Are you afraid to call him? Hello? Oh, David, darling. How are you? Dan. Look, Dan, if you didn't get the check, I'm sorry, but I... I really have been bombed out for the last past few days. I don't know who I'm... Bombed out? What kind of talk is that? Look, Jan, I'm not the guy you knew. Don't you try to tell me who you are, David. You're talking to the girl who married you. You just don't know what you're up against. But I do. I do know. You know? I know exactly what you believe, and I also know it's a lot of nonsense. Oh, darling, I want you to come home. Lon should never have told you. He betrayed me and did you no good. I can't face you now, ever. David, Well? He hung up on me. Mm-hmm. And what about last night? He couldn't remember. He... Well, I guess he must have been drinking, bombed out, 
was the phrase he used. Mm, which amounts to admitting that he doesn't have an alibi for last night. He doesn't need an alibi. David is not a criminal. He thinks he is? Well, he's getting a lot of support from some of his best friends. Sam, please believe I fought it. You weren't at the museum. You didn't see and hear what yes, I... And you haven't lived with David for ten years. Do you think you can ever know David as I do? Oh, well, how can I answer that? Oh, don't try. Just come along with me and keep the appointment with Professor Beckwith. It's not unusual for a wife to believe in her husband. It's also not too startling to find that a husband doesn't believe in himself. However... It's both strange and frightening to find a wife that seems to be willing to reach back into the past to prove her husband's innocence. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. The radio station that lets you use your mind. You're listening to Mystery Theater on New 74 KCBS. The power of love against the power of death. The power of good against evil. Most of us like to believe that good will triumph. But very few of us are ever asked to put our belief to the acid test. Janice is doing just that. She refuses to believe the evidence that her husband David is the reincarnation of a 19th century killer. And she and her husband's best friend have come to an appointment with an expert on reincarnation and the occult. Remarkable. Most interesting. In fact, one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. Professor, you can take my word for it. I saw just what I told you. Nothing came from my imagination. Oh, my dear Henderson, do stop calling me professor. And do stop being so defensive. I know you told me the truth. You don't mean you believe David is a reincarnation of that killer? My dear Mrs. Matson. Jan. My dear Jan. Before I can answer that question and before you panic, you have to understand more about the whole theory of reincarnation. That's why we're here. Now, reincarnation is part of some, but not all, oriental religions. The belief that the soul needs to be reborn... And final liberation and release from this need is the highest possible achievement. But why is there a need to be reborn? Because of impurities in the soul. Oh, or sin, Professor? Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Beckwith. The final liberation of the soul, Henderson, is possible only for a human being who uh, has attained purity of thought. And if one doesn't have this purity of thought... Then a new life is generated from an old... Just as a new candle is lighted from an old one. A new life, you said. That's right. Completely new and completely different? Trying, perhaps, to rid yourself of impurities? Possibly. Well, then, how do you account for the almost total recall that Dave had for the events and crimes connected with Charles Mason? One explanation would be that he remembers them. But if David was striving for a new life... I didn't say there wouldn't be traces and memories of another life. And I believe David has surfaced these memories. But that doesn't necessarily prove David Matson is the reincarnation of Charles Mason. 
Well, how else could Dave have known he about... He could have experienced uh, the things he recalled as a spectator. Oh, no. No way, Beckwith. I was in the museum and you weren't. I saw and heard a deep emotional involvement on Dave's part. He was no spectator. Henderson, you've just put your finger on the single most significant bits of evidence in this whole strange history. In fact, it's the cornerstone of a theory I'm beginning to form. Come on, Lon. Now, look, I feel like a criminal... Now, don't be silly. But I'm setting David up. He thinks he's going to see me and wait till you see the look he gives me when you walk into his office. Come on. Where are you going? We're going in the back way. Oh. If I pass the desk, the receptionist will phone David. Oh. You know, Jan, you're really something else. I I just hope that just David... Just let me worry about David, Long. All right, Dave, I'm sorry we used the back door, but... It was Jan... my idea. Jan. Why didn't you call to tell... David, you look awful. You look so tired. You know, you could use a vacation up at the lodge. We could... Jan, how I wish I could... That it was as simple as that. I'd, I'd love to go away with you for, for a while, just the two of us. Well, we can't. What? I thought... I mean, we've got some work to do first... Work? Yes, on your head. Now, listen. Lon, what is this? She's your wife, and she's great. And she has met with Professor Jason Beckwith, and he's agreed to work out an experiment. What kind of an experiment? Well, I think Jan had better explain it, since she's also going to be part of it. Sorry, Jan. It sounds too risky. But darling, I've told you, it's a controlled experiment. Who's controlling it? Beckwith? Yes, and Lon will be there, too. The plain truth, Jan, is that I'm afraid. Well, of course. And you're afraid to come home. And you're afraid to see me alone. And you're afraid to face the night. Is that the way you want to live for the rest of your life? I may have to. But don't you see? The experiment offers us a way out. I know you're not Charles Mason in any way. The way you say it, you almost make me believe it. Well, it's true. So trust me. Oh, I trust you. It's me I'm worried about. How's your arm? Oh, it's much better. You can see it's out of the sling. The police haven't found who attacked you yet. They're working on it. Now, when do you want me to arrange for this? You're badly hurt. No, it's just a surface cut. Now, listen, David, darling. Excuse when do you... me, I'll be back in a moment. I'm, I'm not feeling... David? I'll be with you in a minute, Jan. Lon, go after him. What? Go on, hurry. But... David... Oh, darling, don't take... Put that gun down, Dave. Don't... Oh, Dave. Why did you grab my hand, Lon? Why didn't you let me kill myself? Because that's no answer. You asked about the alternative, and this is the one that takes care of everything. Are you sure about that? What? Who are you? This is Jason Beckwith, darling. We sent for him after... After. After your stupidity. I knew exactly what I was doing, and I knew why. Then explain it to us. I don't have to explain anything. You don't find it difficult to believe that the soul of a man dead more than 100 years has been reborn in your body? It's been pretty well proven to me. 
And because you're afraid of the soul of this murderer will force you into killing your wife or some other women you decided to kill yourself. That's about it. And what happens to the immortal soul? What? I asked, what do you think will happen to that soul that didn't die on the gallows at Tyburn in 1841? What happens when David Matson blows his brains out? What happens to that soul? I... I... don't know. Think about it. Does it go on to inhabit another body and continue killing? I wouldn't know that. Do you? No, but... I'd like to try and find out if you'll help me... and go along with the experiment I have in mind. You want to go ahead with this, Dave? Yes. Okay. But I'm under orders to inform you that this will be the last experiment into the past conducted on these premises. And the professor's briefed you on what we hope to accomplish here tonight? No, not completely. I assume it's a continuation of your trips into the past. With some additions, Mr. Ripple. Those marbles you have in that bag? Right. Hmm. Interesting. I assume they're going to play some part in the proposed experiment. Oh, they are. As will the clothing I have in this box. Is that a knife? It is. With a sharp blade? As sharp as I could get it. Don't you think that... uh... I believe that on the top floor of this museum, there's a long, narrow corridor which runs the length of the building? Correct. Connects two rarely used storerooms. I must warn you, it's probably very stuffy up there. Is there a window we can open? Well... Yes, yes, good, but, uh, good. Uh, with the exception of Jan, I suggest we all get up there quickly. Excellent, Mr. Ripple. Uh, a corridor, just as you described it. Uh, and now the window's been opened, and we're all gathered here, ready to start. I thought Jan was... She told me she had to be part of the experiment. Oh, she'll be along later, David. Uh, there were some things we had to keep from you. Uh, Ripple, is there any way you could light this corridor better? It's fine the way it is. Uh, I'll move down the corridor. Can you see this? Uh, something shining. The knife is quite visible to anyone with normal eyesight, Professor. Good. Now, Henderson, if you'll station yourself about halfway down the corridor and wait there, and uh, don't touch the marbles. Oh, don't worry. Never was any good at shooting marbles, Beckwith. Where do you want me, Professor? As we agreed, wherever you think you'd serve the museum's interest best. (laughs) I think I'll stay near you. Fine. Now, what we have is the corridor, perfect view... And along the corridor, gleaming knife. Uh, David, you stand on my right. Mr. Ripple, that puts you on my left. Mm-hmm. And we all agree the corridor is quite empty. Now, Mr. Ripple, may I have the daguerreotype? Here you are. Thanks. Now, David, look closely at this face. The face of a man named Charles Mason. And David, as I drop the marbles one by one on the stone floor, they'll start to bounce. And 
bounce, bounce, bounce back through the years. Listen to them bouncing. Bouncing down the long corridor of time. And the years slide by, slide by, alive with the echoes of the past. Do you see them, David? I s- see them and hear them. Ah, they I'm walking. Walking along near the top of the hill on the heath. And I see... I see a single horse. He's silhouetted for a moment against the moon. He comes riding, riding... And he stops. He dismounts. And he hides so carefully in the bushes. Beckwith, for heaven's sake, what's happening? That's Ripple. He's under two. He thinks he's there. They stand stone still. The man and the horse. The bushes hide them. A lady. A lady. She's walking. She has a cape with a hood. I can't see her face. Pretty face. I know help against sharp steel. No, no, it's Ripple. He's got the knife. He's down the corridor. Jan, look out. I got him. I got him. Oh, you're not going to touch the knife. The window, Dave. Watch the window. Dave, the knife. Help. Help. Hey, hold me. Hold. Robert Ripple was pure evil. He was also Charles Mason, wasn't he? Perhaps. Perhaps he just saw an opportunity to destroy a good man when he discovered that daguerreotype and realized the man in it looked exactly like you. He simply took a nameless photo and gave it a name. And gave me the horrors. But, Professor, isn't there any chance of finding out who the man in that picture really was? I'd like to know his real name. Oh, David, David, my darling... Let's just live in the 20th century. I admit it's difficult enough, but it's our very own. Here we are in the 20th century, and I have a little parlor game for you to play. Imagine yourself as some famous character in history whom you know and admire, okay? Now, close your eyes and think hard and imagine yourself alive back in those days. And as you think, you may see some pictures in your mind that you've never seen before. Try it. I'll be back shortly. I find this whole question of reincarnation fascinating. But there's an area that's not very well covered in the books and essays that have been written. And that is the question of animals and their souls. Do they possess souls? And indeed, do they return in some form as some other animal? Or, uh, which I don't like to believe, 
are those of us who sin greatly reduced to becoming animals before we can stop trying to be reborn. Our cast included Shepard Strudwick, Marion Selders, William Redfield, Alon Clark, and Chris Gampel. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs> <laughs>